I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wheelhouse DNA. Even with the good stuff, it's that's what I was, you know, finding to be dangerous is when, when there is the great stuff and you're reading all these amazing things and people have wonderful opinions of you. Just the fact that you're putting your value and self-worth in that and up to people that you don't even know, I think that's where I was like, okay, this is scary. I, should, I, I shouldn't be caring about that. I, I should be caring about what my close friends think of me. From Wheelhouse DNA and Acast, this is Comfort Food, a show about life, loss, grief, celebration, and the meals that support us through it all. I'm your host, Kelly Rizzo. I'm very thrilled to introduce my guests today because they have both been such an amazing presence in my life over the past two years since losing my husband. He's an actor and she was a nurse before becoming a mental health advocate through their shared nonprofit called the Lemons Foundation. They host their own podcast called The Squeeze about all things mental health. And these two really walk the walk. Not only have they supported me through such a difficult time, but they are so open and lovely and really work hard to also support those with mental health difficulties. It was an absolute pleasure to have them in the studio. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming Taylor and Taylor Lautner. Well, Taylor and Tay, Taylor and Taylor, Tay and Taylor, I am so happy to have you guys here. This is a little bit of deja vu from when I was on your podcast yes. very recently. Yes. But here we are now. This is uh, exciting. It, it's still a cozy vibe because your podcast, The Squeeze, is in your house. You oh. set up this beautiful room that's very, very cozy in your own home. And so it is very inviting. And I, I, I try to make this feel like that too. Oh, yeah. Kind of. I'm very cozy. Also, this yeah. pillow behind me is so comfortable. Yeah. Gonna have to, we're gonna have to steal a, a tip or two you got here. I know, I might just leave, leave with this pillow. <laughs> I wanted to say that, I mean, people might think that was the first time that we had met was on your podcast, but it's not. And I wanna tell people who do not know how we met because it is still a very special time for me. And it was a very important meeting and memory that I'll take with me forever. But it was about, seven to 10 days after Bob passed away. So January of 2022. And Jason Kennedy hosted a little prayer group night at his house, almost a little mini church service at his home um, with Pastor Judah Smith and just a few friends. It was maybe 10 people. Yeah. That was pretty small. Yeah. And you guys were there. And I brought... Candace Cameron Bure and my sister Kristen. And it was such a special night. It was still so raw for me because it was so new. Yeah. Um, you know, it had just happened about a week or so before. But something like that was what I didn't know that I needed. Mm-hmm. And you guys were all so kind and 
thoughtful and helpful and healing just to be around people who, you know, just wanted to lend a helping hand and yeah. just be like, hey, even though we don't know you, like you're strangers right now, like we got you. Yeah. And it's just something I'll remember forever. And I'm just so grateful to you guys that you were so kind then. And I'm grateful to you now for being here and everything in between. Oh so yeah. of course. that was a special night. I credit my husband for that because he, I mean, he will never say this, but he's the one, he's the one that called Jason and was like, hey, we should do this. So this was. What? Yeah. I mean, this was your idea? <laughs> you're Okay, I see you're not wanting to take credit, but. <laughs> Jason and I talked about it. Um, yeah, and I, I just, I remember being on the phone with him and just being like, because you know, obviously the, the world knew of the news. Um, and he mentioned that he had like met you before. Like right. you didn't know each other well, but right. you oh, Yeah, knew we were each asking other. him like, you know, how, talking about him meeting Bob and like interviewing him and stuff like that. So I think that's how that came up. And then I was like, I was like, oh, you like kind of know her? And he's like, yeah. I was like, I mean, I can't imagine what she's going through right now. And I can't imagine what we could offer her. But is it worth just reaching out and just like saying, if you want, you know, we would love to do this for you and we will keep it very small and, um, you know, bring whoever you think could get anything from it. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Like, that's it's worth a shot. We didn't think you were going <laughs> to agree to it because it was so, it was so fresh. Um, but then, you know, when, when he called me and he was like, yeah, she's going to come. She's going to bring Candace. Um, I was like, wow. It was very special. Well, now yeah. that means I'm very, very touched knowing that you also were, you know, that you guys kind of planned this together. And... That is something I'll remember forever. Yeah, that's so true. What you guys did um, to bring people together and host a little church prayer group in someone's house just to give me some comfort. Somebody that you didn't know, who Jason barely knew, you know, and to go out of your way to show somebody that type of support was just very wonderful. So I just think it speaks volumes of the type of people you are. So thank you. And Taylor, like now knowing that you were instrumental in that, just it's even more to me. So we're we're thankful we got you and your friendship out of it. And then getting to do your podcast was very special. Can you just tell us a little bit about, I mean, obviously I know about it because I was on it, but for people who let's say don't know, since it is still newer, tell us a little bit about the concept for it, how you got the idea and then how it's been going. Girl too. Yeah. I mean, the idea was very random. Um, I'm not like a podcast listener and neither is Taylor. So I kind of just woke up one day and had the idea to start. I mean, you didn't used to be a podcast listener. This this (laughs) is correct. I did not used to be one. Um, But I just kind of like woke up one day and was like, I think we need to do a podcast. Um, Because, you know, we're both... We're both passionate about mental health. Uh, I worked as a COVID nurse, and then I ended up having to leave the hospital due to mental health reasons. And then when I left, I started a blog that was mental health-based called Lemons by Tay, and then that turned into our nonprofit called the Lemons Foundation. And then that morphed into The Squeeze, which is our mental health podcast. Girl Tay, like, she wakes up with a lot of ideas. It's almost like while she's sleeping, she's thinking of things that she can be doing, and she'll just wake up in the morning and be like, 
we needed to do this. And I'm like, let me get my coffee first. But, <laughs> but yeah, it was one morning and she was just like, I think, you know, we, we had all, we're already had been passionate about mental health and, you know, been doing some things in that space. But she's like, I think we need to do a podcast. And I was like, we? And she's like, well, and she, she's smart. She knows me. She knows I was going to be hesitant at first, um, as I am with everything. So she's like, you know, I can do it and, you know, we can just like say you're my full-time husband, part-time co-host. So you can join whenever you want to. Um, and so we started with that and I was just going to be like a guest host. We filmed our first couple episodes and I was hooked and I was like, yeah, I love this. Like it's definitely something that we should be doing together. So yeah. yeah each- and I, I knew you were going to be good at it and I knew he was going to be like scared. I mean, he's so well-spoken and he's so like approachable and wise and very easy to talk to. So I know he would be good at it because that's podcast is right. I mean, I mean at the core it's talking and he's very good at that. Hmm. Um, but you disagree? <laughs> 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 but yeah, I knew once he like got a little comfortable with it, he would be like, sign me up. And that's, that's what happened. We've been doing it for almost a year now. I know. Vulnerable conversations inside our house. Yep. Well, it's interesting that you, you know, know your own dynamic very well, that you have to know your partner and you have to know how to approach things with them. Yeah. And you have to know, like, for instance, I did this with Bob all the time where even if it was making, because we would make like silly TikTok videos and stuff together. And every single time he would fight me on it. Yeah. (laughs) I'd be like, I have this hilarious idea and I'm like, I'm going to pitch it to him and he's going to resist Mm -hmm. and he's going to say no. But then... He's going to agree to it, and then he's going to love it. Yeah. We'd and every that. time, it was that's how it went every single time. But I knew I was going to get that resistance in yeah. the beginning. Yep, same thing. Very common. Same thing. <laughs> Very common thing in our house. But household. you're right. Like, I would say 90% of the time, the things that I, you know, am hesitant of, scared of, whatever, I end up loving the most. So... It's definitely been a, a lesson for me in the past few years that, like, things that you're afraid of, you know, you got to, like, push yourself outside of your comfort zone because that ends up being typically for me, like, some of the stuff that, you know, I'm most proud of. Exactly. I, I've learned I've learned that, too, that it's really when you kind of dig deep and you do something that you're, I never would have done this normally. Yeah. And you do it, and then it goes usually pretty well. And then you're like, why didn't I do this sooner? Yep. Or I'm so glad I did this. Yeah. I went out of my comfort zone, and, and it pays off. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of comfort zone, um, obviously we're going to dig a little deep here, but I thought that I would um, do something for you guys that would make a conversation a little bit more comfy and a little bit more cozy. And I know that you had told us a little bit about what your favorite comfort foods are. Because, you know, coming here, you know the name of this podcast is sure Comfort do. Foods. So, you know I'm going to feed you guys. <laughs> so we're going to bring it out here in just one second. But I want to hear from each of you what your favorite comfort food is and why. Okay. And then, you know, we may or may not have some of it for you. Okay. Oh, boy. I think mine is Chick-fil-A. You're a yep. big, big Chick-fil-A. Girl, I, I, sure. Yeah. I feel like when I think of comfort food, I think of like what I want when I'm like emotional or when it's my time of the month and I like need a little yeah. 
little some comfort. So that's probably bad. to say that Chick Fil A has been kind of a go to for me. Like, and I don't, I can't say that I have lots of hangover days anymore. They're very few and far oh, between. It's, it's, but yes. when I do, yes, that's my go to. I feel like in my mind that like comfort food and hangover food are like comparable. Like yeah, I just like most of the time. So like comfort food to me is something that's gonna like you know taste good and like feel good in the moment. Maybe not. Maybe not in the long. Maybe term. not in the long term, but <laughs> <laughs> going in, it tastes good. Yeah. All right, Taylor, what's yours? I like when I think of comfort food, I think of like this time of year, like at night, where we like want to watch a Christmas movie or something and cuddle up on the couch with our dogs and a fire and have like a nice bowl of chili. Well, we we got some Chick-fil-A and chili for you guys. Wow. And I think, I think one of you guys also said hot chocolate. That was my other one. That, okay. That was, that, was one? My, that was my cozy one. So we'll see yeah. how well that goes oh. with Chick-fil-A and chili, but we have <laughs> <laughs> chocolate for you guys too. I'm here oh, for it. Oh, wow. I'm here for it. I'm I know. Trying. So it's going to be kind of a smorgasbord of, of stuff. So here we, oh, wow. here we go. Stuff is happening. We have all... getting a lot more comfortable in here, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, Thank okay. You. So apparently, I get my. Oh wow! Uh, look at this. This all is right. the most beautiful plate <laughs> I think I've ever seen. I mean, look at this hot chocolate. This is quite the combination. Isn't this hilarious? Oh my! When have you ever seen marshmallows and Chick Fil A like at the same time in <laughs> a oh, bowl of chili? My gosh. So funny. <laughs> it's the cutest looking hot chocolate with marshmallows I've ever seen. But did you see the little peppermint? Yes. Oh my gosh. And the, the Hershey's Kisses. Wow. I think this might be my dream plate. This is, yeah, like, well, this with, is pretty dreamy. For people who are listening, let me explain this this platter that was just brought out in front of us. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. We have a bowl of very delicious looking chili. With some uh, shredded cheese and sour cream. Mm -hmm. So, Taylor, this is your favorite thing. Mm -hmm. Then we have a Chick-fil-A sandwich with all of the sauces. All of them. All of the Chick-fil-A sauces. And then some Chick-fil-A nuggets and the waffle fries. So, And then then the cutest cup of hot chocolate with marshmallows you've ever seen. Really adorable. Very Christmassy looking cup of hot chocolate with marshmallows and a candy cane and oh you're right and Hershey's kisses. I will come back and film with you whenever you need. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, first off, also for people who don't know, even before we get into really what started this whole journey for you guys, is how did you guys meet? Um, his sister introduced us. Um, I had met her a couple times through a mutual friend. Um, and I think like after the second time we had like hung out. Um, she called Taylor and was like, I just met your future wife. You need to like throw a game night so like she can be one of my friends and I can bring her over. No way. Yeah. And it's just like crazy to think about because like the amount of time I actually spent with her wasn't that much like, I know. time. I wonder, it, I wonder what it was that she like saw in you. Because it was like, <laughs> it was all, both times were in group settings. Like it was, it wasn't like we we're having like heart to heart one-on-one yeah. discussions, but but maybe that shows just how well a she knows you and b yeah there's something that was exuding from you that she just saw as like wait this is going to work out i know because she my sister's very like very protective of me so also her calling up and being like i found somebody that i think would be great for you and that you would love 
Yeah. It's like even more so. Like, really? Because she like, she wants to keep everybody away from me. And I knew that she was like very protective of him. Uh, so when she had texted my friend and I being like, hey, my brother's doing a game night at his house. You guys want to come? My friend and I were so confused because we were like, why is she like inviting me? Like, I don't know her. Like, I know how protective she is of Taylor. And like, I'm shocked that she like doesn't really know me, but she's inviting me over. And I was like, well, she, she must know I'm like normal. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, you know, I'd be fine over there. I don't know. So we were both like side texting being like, what the heck? We're like, oh, well, games, let's go. That'll be fun. So, yeah, we did the game night. We were on the same team for running charades. I think <laughs> I like to think that's where our chemistry originally began. Yeah, it is. Um, we crushed it together. Um, and then, yeah, I, I kept, like, inviting you over in, like, group settings a few times. But so I did chaperones. Yeah. Yeah. And I never knew that he was hitting on me. Like, I didn't know of the setup um, for a while. And Taylor was... Um, a long time. I mean, it wasn't a long time. But yeah, okay. it was it was like a couple a few weeks, hangs few weeks. Um, but he's just—I mean, he's so kind and is so like not like I don't know. You're just like a very kind person, and I never really had like a guy kind of like what's the word like court me in that like what is that called when you're like courting yeah, someone? Courting. Is that the right word? Be very chivalrous and yeah. a gentleman. Yeah, no, he was so like basically just, like, what she's saying is I have no game. <laughs> That's what she really means. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> You were being very kind to me. You know what? I think that also comes with maturity and that comes with, you know, nowadays just even hearing about this dating world, which was so daunting to me to even have to think about that again. I was like, yeah. what is like, whatever happened yeah. to romance and courting and yeah. being a gentleman? And, you know, and so it's nice to hear that that that, that still exists, yeah. you know, considering that you guys are, you know, because I'm a little bit older, considering that you are younger. I'm like, it's nice to hear that even people younger than I am are doing that. <laughs> I feel like if a girl were to, like, write up how they would want to be, like, you just, like, weren't aggressive with it, which I say that in a nice way. Like, you know, guys. Yes, good for you. Yeah, you, like, were just That's genuinely talking with game. me and getting to know me. So there was game. Okay. But I also just was not looking for a relationship. So I was, like, yeah. there, there was, like, I wasn't looking for anything. Also, like... My friend just invited me over to her brother's house. I'm not going to, like, be hitting on be her hitting brother. On her brother. Right. Like, I'm the first time we're hanging out, that's weird. So <laughs> I just wasn't even, like, that wasn't even an option. So maybe maybe there was something, but I was not even paying attention. But, hey, it worked out. We are here yeah, six years later. Yep. You are eating chicken. <laughs> right? This is surreal. <laughs> so, obviously, your entire journey with you know getting to the podcast and the foundation and your blog and everything was because of mental health mm -hmm. and I know you said it started because you were working in healthcare but can you tell me a bit more about that like uh, the mental health angle of it yeah um yeah I graduated nursing school in 2019 um I was never going to go into a hospital I loved like surgery so I was just going to do like outpatient outpatient surgery uh, but everything closed down because if it wasn't, if it was an elective surgery, COVID like shut it down. So I was just like sitting at home and I was like, you know, I just did all of the school. I really want to put like everything I've learned to use. Um, I'm going to apply to this one hospital that I loved. And then I was like the most impressed by in my clinicals. If I get the job, then I get the job. If not, then I'll just like wait for this all to pass and then go back to 
outpatient surgery once that starts back up again. Um, I it was up, the only hospital you applied to, right? Yeah, it was literally like, the only one. I'll do this. I just can't I believe it. you graduated in 2019 and then this all hits the next year. That's yeah. crazy to me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I got I got the job probably like August, I'd say, of 2020. Um, and then had worked during like the really intense, like if, I always say that March of COVID, like the beginning of COVID was more scary as in like we didn't know what it was yeah. in the healthcare right. world and like there wasn't enough like PPE like the protection wear for the healthcare workers to make sure they were protected so that's kind of like that was this more so the scare behind it um but the rush the rush and like the influx of patients and all of that was really the time that I had worked from I'd say like November to like February yeah the end of that year yeah um and it was just like insane we've kind of been talking about it more and it's something that i've like very much have dove into in therapy but just the amount of stuff the healthcare workers went through during that time is kind of like insane and kind of crazy that it's not like talked about as much but i like the first night i had started on my own um i was working night shift so that was already um kind of a lot but we had up to our patient ratios so normally my unit you only have four patients i had five my charge nurse who's like the lady that's, you know, running the floor, she was off in a monitor room because I was on a cardiac floor. So all of our patients had heart monitors on because they were all higher risk. She was in that room because our monitor tech was sick. So she had to go in there, but we were so short staffed. So we didn't have anyone to cover. So she was in there. I'm, how old am I? 22, 23? Yep. At this time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Little nurse Tay, like confident in myself, like knowing obviously I can trust myself and my knowledge, but it was so scary. We had these patients, like we had patients that were on ventilators and we weren't, I'm not trained in that. So Mm -hmm. we just had patients that their acuity was so high. And I was just running the first night. I was like running in and out of rooms because you have to put your gown, your double mask, the mask, the gloves, like everything. You go into the room and then you come out, take it all off and then re-put it all back on and go into the next room. And it was just a cycle of that. And after a couple hours of it, I literally just was bawling just because I was so overwhelmed and not knowing what to do because I literally would have patients being like, am I going to live asking me that? And I was like having to think of something to say that was encouraging but not promising mm-hmm. because, you know, I would leave and I'd be like, I knew some of the people that asked me, I knew they weren't going to make it and some of them didn't. So it was emotionally. Yeah mentally but also physically exhausting yeah Yeah. and the nursing profession like nurses are truly just like some of the strongest people ever when you're working you don't you just don't like think about your needs I would literally like not go to the bathroom for like eight hours because I I just there's people's lives are at stake so I like I'm not gonna go like take a 15 to eat my sandwich or whatever like if I don't get this patient this medication like they could go into this or whatever could happen so it was just a lot of fight or flight for months at a time and never really was able to come down and even on my days off my manager would call and be like hey we're short tonight which we were every night because we had taken so many patients in because so many people were sick She's like, can you come and just do vitals for a couple hours? So I would go in sometimes from like 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. to help take vitals because I knew what it was like to be short-staffed and not have help. So I wanted to help my coworkers out. But yeah, it was just... We would be like sleeping. We went to sleep for the night and your phone would start ringing at like midnight. And yeah. It would be like, we need you to come in. Like, yeah. She's oh not gosh. supposed to be in, but they're just like desperate. Yeah. 
And she always had such a hard time saying no to that because she knows what it is like at the hospital, you know. It was a very hard time to set a boundary, and I also wasn't good at setting boundaries then. But how do you set that boundary there? And Like, Like I'm not going to help somebody live is what you're thinking in your head. Yeah, Yeah. and I mean, yeah, as a new nurse at 22, I'm not going to be like, um, no, today's my day off. I'm going to go in. So, yeah, it was just a a lot of that for a, a while. And then it got to a point where you it kinda, just had to... Yeah, it got to a point where Taylor confronted me about it, but not... It was a very brief conversation. He was just kind of like, hey, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I just worked like the past three nights. I'm just tired. And he was like, no, but actually, like, are you okay? And then I, we didn't say anything after that. I just kind of like took it and started to kind of process it. But it honestly took months I would say that conversation was probably in February, March. Um, and I didn't leave the hospital till August. So it really took like months for me to kind of be like, am I okay? But I, I'd never like dealt with something so severe like that, you know, my own mental health. So like I've seen people and been a part of people's lives that have dealt with such severe mental health trauma, but I didn't know how to process it. And it actually took... Me getting COVID, not from working, which is ironic. I never got it from COVID. I got it from but him. It. <laughs> I got it from visiting him at she work. visited me on set, and I got it, like, yeah. the day before she came. Yeah. And she showed up for, uh, like, Memorial Day weekend. Yes. I had, like, a long weekend. Know. And I gave it to her while she was there. And then we both had to quarantine for 14 days inside a hotel oh, room. Yeah. And I, I ended up just getting it really bad. Like I was able to fly home, but I was out of work for probably like a month and a half, two months. Oh my gosh. I couldn't like do the laundry. Like I had no energy. It took that, I think. Yeah. Because I wasn't ever going to quit. Like I couldn't. It's Nursing is something I was so passionate about and I did love my job, but I needed to take a step back. And I think it took me physically like not even being able to go I literally had to go on disability (laughs) for that um and it took that for me to kind of be like okay let's actually reevaluate that and then I feel like I quit and then I feel like that's actually when it got hard because I was finally out of the environment and I was able to process what had actually happened so I feel like after that was when I really started to see you were still you were still like on the go not looking backwards but I yeah as soon as you finally did step back yeah I feel like when everything you know really started to hit you you know what was that like the it hitting you yeah I didn't really know I kind of thought I was like losing my mind for a little bit I think it kind of started with the depression of it all really hitting me also, like at this time, they were doing studies and healthcare workers and like nurses in particular were showing the same PTSD signs of like war veterans. That I was just going to say, like, it's got to have a parallel. Yeah. So that's like how our brains were literally acting like. So me, you know, not thinking that I was one of those. Not because I was above it, but just because I had never like dealt with it. And I was like, I'm still functioning. Like, I, I guess I'm fine. But I would say there was a few months of me having like, zero emotion. I always say we went to New York in January of 22 and um, for him for work and it was my first time going. I was so excited. It was snow. It was like a dream for me and I remember we were sitting at dinner and we were there with Jason and Lauren and our other friend and I'm like sitting there and I'm looking around and I'm like I don't feel any emotion right now. Like I just like I've really just felt numb 
what's like, why is that? Like, I should be really happy right now. Like, why aren't I feeling anything? And honestly, like, maybe kind of scared me. I feel like I said something to you. I think, I think that was like the first time I ever kind of voiced something and not, we don't do this now. We've had a lot of communication and therapy, but at the time he was taking it personally because I was like, I don't feel happy. And he was like, well, what's wrong? Like, what did I do? Like, how can I, what what am I, I, you know, understandable. Yeah. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Like, why am I not making you happy? Like, what can I do to fix this? And I was like, well, no, it's not you. It's, I I don't, I don't know. I don't know what this is. And that kind of went on for a little bit. And then that started to get a little better. And then it turned into like dissociation. So I would dissociate so bad from conversations. Like I would be mid conversation with Taylor and he'd be like, are you there? What, what, what is happening? But then it got to a point where it was, I was forgetting details like about my life that I knew and I knew that it was in my brain, but I couldn't like find it in there. Like that scared you every time that happened, it truly scared you. Yeah. Like random little things that like I would know. And I like, I used to pride myself off my memory. Like I would beat my parents in the memory game as a six year old. Like I pride myself with it. She just all of a sudden like would blank on the name of one of our favorite restaurants. Like, Like, I was like, I know I've been there, but I can't tell you where it is, what kind of food it is, who we've been with. Like, I'm looking at the name of the restaurant. Like, you could say, do you want to go to Chick-fil-A? And I'm like, okay, Chick-fil-A. I I know it's a restaurant. I don't know where it is. I don't know what kind of food it is. I know I've been there. that's so interesting. This is so random. But, like, the chain smokers, like, I know who they are. We were talking, I was thinking about them, but I couldn't remember their name. And I was literally like... What's the EDM? What's the name of the EDM? The guys, they're brothers, I think, or they're related. And it was like the chain smokers. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, wait, why the frick did I not remember that? So it was just like things yeah. that I would know, like forgetting that that's called chili, like things like that <laughs> um, were happening. And yeah, the, this restaurant one kind of was the one that like tipped me over the edge and finally got me into therapy because I was like, this is scary. I'm forgetting these things that I no, but yeah. I don't understand what's going on. That was the final straw. Yeah. The restaurant one, you were like, okay, this is scaring me. I don't know what it is, and I need to talk to somebody about I it. I forgot the name of Chick-fil-A. This is the final straw. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, from there I went into therapy, um, and it was, it's obviously an ongoing thing for me, but it was just, I, I let things go very easily, and my therapist was like, I was telling him stories about what had happened in these things. And I was like, but it's okay. And he's like, stop ending your stories with, but it's okay. Or it was needed or whatever. He's like, what you went through was traumatic. And I need you to like, actually understand that. And once I like finally started to understand that. And he was like, you can feel sorry for yourself. What you went through was horrible. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Cause I've never like been told I can do that. To acknowledge that it was a big deal yeah. and it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to not say it was okay. Yeah, because I definitely, I, I definitely like push things down or not even on purpose, but because I don't want to burn in someone or I'm like, it's not that big of a deal. Like in my head, I'm overreacting. So I definitely like pushed a lot of it down and through therapy that definitely brought it up. And then we also got our brain scanned which was very helpful because it did show that I had PTSD and it made me well, yeah, feel- Dr. Eamon, I was yeah. going to do that. It made me feel so much better knowing. And people were like, isn't that scary? Like, Taylor was a little nervous. I didn't want to. She had to force me to go. I was so scared. I was I'm like, like, I don't even want to know what's going on in there. I, I, I pulled rather. a wife. I was like, this is my wife favor. Please come with me yeah. and do it. 
But it honestly, like, it made me feel so much better. Like, knowing, like, okay, I'm not actually crazy. Like, there's something going on in there. Um, Your anxiety is right here. I can see. It's purple. (laughs) You know, like, it's— You haven't done it? I— had the appointment and then I kind of chickened out at the last minute. I kind of want to do it again. But it was one of those things where I, I, I just, I was just more curious. Yeah. And also because I do get anxiety, I was like, I wonder if that'll show yeah. up because it kind of does, right? For Isn't sure. that like yeah. what shows up too? Yeah. Um. So I kind of was interested in that aspect, but I still might do it. I think it it worked out great because I I never like my mental health journey started way earlier, but I never addressed it or even allowed myself to think about it. Like you know, I had a different looking upbringing and teenage years, um, and I th- think I just never really thought how that abnormal upbringing um could affect me um and i just never really allowed myself to think about that and i think one how many times have i said i think um i think when when tay started going through her journey it allowed me to be like oh like i should if i'm if i'm so concerned and worried about her well-being and asking her if she's okay I should probably be asking myself that same question because I think I know the answer deep down. I'm just scared to think about it. Wow. So it they really kind of yeah. started together because I, I think it took me, you know, caring so much about her mental health um, to acknowledge my own as well. That's so interesting. So the journey started at different times, but the processing and the working through yes. it went we started like yeah, was it together. about the same time yeah interesting yeah. and now for i guess you know for people who let's say don't know yours was more and i don't want to speak for you of course but when you know you had this 
you know, huge movie franchise and all of the, you know, this attention and fame, it was it just processing how, like, cause that's a very weird world to live in and it's not normal. Yeah. And was it just relating to that world and like, how do I fit in here? And like, what is this doing to me? Yeah. And I mean, I, I ended up taking a step back from the industry shortly after we started dating. Um, I think he like had the foresight that so he that he did need a break mentally, but I don't think he knew what that looked like. And I think that's when it was both of us kind of addressing our mental health together for the first time. That was it. But I still think you had the foresight to yeah. take that step back. It was like you knew it was coming. Yeah. And you knew you like there was something there. You just hadn't yeah. really dealt with it yet. Yeah, I think yeah. I I, I knew that there was so many different aspects of life that I missed out on and never really got to experience, still don't really get to. Um, and, you know, I'm not able to give my full attention to what actually matters most in life. Um, you know, if I'm stuck in this, you know, entertainment industry caring, you know, so much about, you know, my perception and whether or not a movie's going to flop or not. And um, I, I think I just knew that I needed to focus on, you know, other things in life rather than that. Because if I'm in that world, it's all consuming. Um, and I'm very, like, I'm, I'm very critical of myself. Um, so I, I take things personally. So I'm, I'm not really the, I'm not the best equipped to be in, you know, a position where you're, like, constantly judged all the time. Um, and, I mean, that was your life for, like, years and years, too, was constantly, yeah. you know, being criticized or being in the media somehow. Yeah. Whether it's good or bad. Yeah. <clears throat> for sure. Yeah. Because then, if you're even getting the good stuff, then you're still like, oh, what did they say? Oh, they said something good? Oh, are they going to say something good again? And then it's the yeah. cycle of... Yeah. And then all of a sudden, if there's something not good and you're so used to the good stuff, then it yeah. really yeah. freaks or you out. Or even when there's nothing at all, then you're like, well, like... Why aren't people talking yeah. about me? Yeah. But yeah, even with the good stuff, it's that's what I was, you know, f finding to be dangerous is when, when there is the great stuff and you're reading all these amazing things and people have wonderful opinions of you, just the fact that you're putting your value and self-worth in that and up to people that you don't even know. I think that's where I was like, okay, this is scary. I should I I shouldn't be caring about that. I, I should be caring about what my close friends think of me, what my family thinks of me, what I think of myself. Um I sh I shouldn't need to be affirmed, you know, by random strangers who have an opinion of me without knowing who I am as a person. Yeah. And I was, I was, I was certainly caring too much about that. So yeah, I think it, that journey started earlier for me, but I did not address it until we both, you know, addressed both of our, you know, things. Well, the fact that even at the age you were thinking these things is <laughs> so healthy and is so smart it shows how much insight you have because a lot of people never get to that point. Yeah. They will be caught up in that cycle yeah. endlessly yeah. and can never get out of it. And then it starts to control you to a point where you 
it's it's all consuming. Yeah. And the fact that you were able just to even recognize that and know that that's not what you wanted yeah. and to take a step back is so important. And I'm sure looking back, you're probably pretty proud of <laughs> that yeah. action, knowing that, you know, maybe could have gone a different direction. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm, I'm very, very happy about it. And I finally, like, and, and I wondered at that time, I'm like, will I ever be able to go back to it? I don't, I don't think so. Um, but I would say I'm, I'm finally at a place now where I, I do feel like I just, I needed that time and space away to realign, you know, what, what I, you know, care about and, you know, how I see myself. And, um, you know, I feel like I can tiptoe back into it because I have, I have my, my head on straight a little bit more, you know, I don't know. I mean, we started dating when Taylor filmed his last project that he did for a while. And I got to see the taking the step back, him going to a movie theater for the first time in like 15 years. And where I'm a normal person and I do these normal things all the time, like him going into a grocery store for the first time in like 10 years. He's like, whoa, like what? Like just like things like that, getting to see the transformation of which I know when we started dating, I was like, this guy can't get any better. He's great. And every year I feel like he keeps impressing me by like his mental growth and like this year where you're at, seeing him like ready and excited to get back into film is, is really cool. And it's really cool to see how his mentality of how he views himself change. So I'm excited for him. I'm proud of him because you've done the work. What I'm so in awe of with both of you guys is that the support that you give each other and I'm sure and I don't want to speak for you, but I'm sure having not had her by your side through that, you probably wouldn't have had all of these realizations and it, or been able to get to the place where you are. And same with you. Like he was the one saying like, are you okay? Yeah. Like, are you sure you're okay? Yeah. You know, without him really getting in there, yeah. like, would you be where you are now? You know? Yeah. So having each other as that support is I mean, it's very beautiful to see, but I'm sure was yeah. the most instrumental thing in getting to where you are now. Yeah. Massive. We are, like, actually best friends. Like, I mean, we, we work together. Like, we spend so much time together. It's stupid. We were joking the other day, and we were like, should we, like, spend some more time apart or something? <laughs> we're just together all the time, but we love hanging out with each other. We love working together. But I think going through all this stuff and going through COVID as well, like— our mental health alone, like COVID was just an adjustment for everyone. Our first like year of marriage, everyone's like, how's it been? The first year is the hardest. And we're like, when is it going to get hard? <laughs> like 30 years together is what yeah. it feels like. You know? <laughs> Genuinely, it feels, I mean, we've, it's kind of annoying that we've only, not annoying, but we've been married for one year, but we've been together for six. So we've like, we've been through a lot of life together and a lot of adjustments and a lot of, you know, tough conversations, communications, a lot of therapy and we laugh all the time because we're like, when is it going to get hard? Like, what is, well, is it going to creep up? Let on me us? let me throw this out there. <laughs> My parents, who've been together for fifty years now, wow. and ever since I've been born, they've worked together. Also, oh wow! Oh, wow. So they've worked together for over forty years, Jeez. and get along and love each other, and still uh, wow. are 
you know, friends and actually, you know, don't want to kill each other every day. Okay. So just yeah. throwing that out there. I, I like it to does hear it. it does exist and it can it can exist. It can happen. I love that. Yeah. The future is bright. The future <laughs> know, is right? bright for us. <laughs> Sharon and Santo Rizzo can be your role models. Yeah. Um at what point do you or have you drawn this line of how much you want to share of this journey publicly because Taylor, you said part of this issue was you were so in the public eye and it got to be a, you know, a problem. Yeah. And now you're taking something that's so private and so personal and putting it out there on your podcast and on other podcast, whatever it is. It, is there a line now when it comes to what you're going to share? Yeah, I I don't know what I don't no, I don't think the line has been defined. I think we kind of I mean, it's a lot looser line than it used to be because I I think I um when when so much of your privacy is, you know, taken away from you, you tend to just automatically, you know, squeeze up and just try and protect everything. So I went so many years, like, not wanting anybody to know anything about my personal life. I didn't want anybody to know what my kitchen looked like. So I would never put pictures or videos from inside my house. Like, you know, my when my friends came over, they knew that they couldn't, you know, take photos and put it online of, like, the inside of my house. Like, I just became so hyper-protective of anything private. Um, and that's just, like what my automatic reaction was and what I've learned and it's understandable why I did that, but it's not, it doesn't, doing that doesn't make you happy. Like, obviously I still want to protect some level of privacy and yeah, having some sort of line is important, but I've learned that like starting to share and talk about things that I never ever would have before and, you know, sharing our home with people, like sharing our dogs with people, just like, it's so freeing. Yeah. It's, it's actually a wonderful feeling and you're not paranoid the whole time. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, we, we talk about such, such vulnerable topics. Um, but we've found that it like, it's very freeing for us. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's like free therapy for us being able to just, talk about those things rather than, you know, needing to hide everything. I don't know. This may be different for you, but in my brain, sharing my personal experiences, all of these topics are vulnerable. A lot of people don't share it, but in my mind, it's easier to share that than it is like a video from giving a house tour. I feel like I would rather share my deepest, darkest secrets, stuff that we've talked about than I would rather like give a house tour. Mm -hmm. In my brain, it's different. Well, I'll probably um, take a guess as to maybe why that is. Um, What you're doing and sharing your vulnerable side is helping people versus, you know, is a house tour going to help anybody? No. And I think you realize that when you can put your deepest, darkest secrets out there and be vulnerable and share something that you never would have before about your private life and something that maybe was traumatic for you and now you're sharing it to, you know, thousands, millions of people, but it's helping people. And so where, why would you draw a line or where would you draw that line? Yeah. If you're like, yeah. okay, I can do this 
but it's not going to help anybody, but I can cross the line and it's going to help tons of people. Then you don't draw the line because what, what would you give to be able to help all those people? Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll see where that line is, but so far we've yet to get to a place where we're like, I was going to say, it's been cool to like watch when we like film our solo episodes or even when we have guests, like sometimes he'll like say stuff or admit to stuff. Like we were just filming and Taylor admitted to being a jealous person. I never thought he would like say that. Yeah, I've never talked about that before. And he, like, totally dove into it. It's just the two of us, and I'm like, oh, interesting. Like, like I can't believe he admitted to like, that he just, outside like, of our home. Like, he just, opens up. And we don't, like, rehearse. We're like, oh, this question sounds good, okay, like, because we take a lot of viewer questions, but yeah, um, I just Tons. said it, and he was like, oh, dove right in. I was like, oh, wow. He, he keeps doing things like that that are surprising to me. Which tells me that, like, it... It's working. Does, it does make me feel good to talk about those things. Yeah. Right. You know? It is freeing, and that's an interesting thing that you brought up because I've even noticed over this past almost two years now, just crazy, um, that there were so many things in the very beginning that I'm like, I'm not going to talk about this publicly because it's just, you know, it's disrespectful to Bob. It's nobody's business. I mean, whatever it is. And there have been things over the past two years because, you know, I've been talking a lot. You do a lot of interviews, podcasts, whatever it is, and things that I'm like, I I would never have said that two years ago that now I'm saying openly. Yeah. And yeah. when I say it, I'm like, actually, it was good to share that. It felt good to get that out. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I get it. But yeah, that, that line is interesting. Yeah. We'll, we'll all figure out our lines together. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, what you're doing, and it, for instance, obviously, I went to your event, which was a couple weeks ago now, which was beautiful. And that was your first gala, mm. right? Your first annual yes. foundation yeah. event. Yeah. Um, and it was so special and so beautiful and really powerful. Mm. And just that event, I mean, I'm sure it did very well as well and, you know, raised a lot of money and brought a lot of awareness. Um, maybe if you want to talk a little bit more about that, but also why you got to that point, because I think it's also because you had lost a friend. Yeah. Um, you had lost a friend to suicide, but yeah. then you also had a gentleman there, and I forgot his name, who Kevin told Hines. his story, which was incredible. Yeah. So maybe you want to just touch on that a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it was our first first annual um, Lemons Foundation Gala, um, which is cool. We knew it was, we always wanted to do it, um, and I always told myself, like, when I do this first event, I want to do it on a rooftop because my friend took his life and has a very— Rooftops have a different meaning to me now because of my friend. Um, And uh, Jared is his name. He was a very, he kind of like opened the world of mental health to me um, because he was struggling with bipolar and took his life in a manic episode. Um, And I didn't know that he um, had bipolar or that he was struggling or anything um, because he actually didn't get it until later, which we just found out because we had his mom and sister on the podcast that you can diagnosed with bipolar like you're not just born with it if there's like the no. correct and a lot of times brewing. that is when it comes out usually yeah. in like late teens yeah and i didn't 20s. really realize that but like there could be you know your dna a traumatic event or just the right scenario mm-hmm. um could happen but anyways i always told myself if we do this event i want to do it on the rooftop just to honor jared because he's like a driving force and why i do what i do and why we do what we do um it was just a lot of friends and family. We did it on our one-year wedding anniversary because we were like, what else are we going to do? 
with it. We love sentimental things. So we were like, we should like do something. So that's that's how we spent our wedding anniversary. But we had Kevin Hines talk. He is um, the survivor of a Golden Gate Bridge. He tried to take his life by jumping off the bridge. And we actually had him on the podcast as well. Yeah, I was blown away by his story. I was like, where it's is crazy, he going yeah. with it? And then I was yeah. like, did he jump off the Golden Yeah. No, his story is just insane, but we've become, you know, friends with him and him having the same tie to a roof jumping off of it. It was, it was just a really good, a good tie-in. I was like, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it here. I want Kevin to speak and everything just kind of happened and we put it together in like five weeks. Like we really just last minute threw it together. So you're bringing a positive association now to a roof versus having you yeah know, negative yeah. yeah i mean i said it the night that night but i think it's like really important to state like you know the whole thing was glass so we could see like the whole view of like downtown and you know we see like a beautiful skyline but people look at that and think that you know jumping off of that is a easier way out than like seeing tomorrow because what they have what they're going through is too rough or you know they just like can't see a brighter side and i think that just that perspective is really important that you know that we remember because I forget it a lot too. So when you guys have gone through PTSD, your traumatic times, when you were dealing with mental health issues and even friends who have gone through these really, really difficult times, what have you felt was the most helpful to you guys and what have you felt was the least helpful to you guys? That's a good question. I mean, for me... um, and it probably sounds a bit cliche, but it's just like starting to talk about it. It's just like admitting it to yourself is the first step. And the second step is start talking about it um, because you, you, you're not helping yourself if you're just shoving it deeper and deeper down. Um, so, I mean, for me, the by far the biggest and most important step was like admit it to myself that I may not be okay. Um, and you know, I need to talk to somebody about this and that, that can be whoever that can be, you know, a friend, a loved one, a therapist, like it, a teacher, you know, a coworker, someone, anybody, but just getting it out of your system and, and voicing it, um, is very freeing and it will, that will take you to having those conversations will take you to whatever the next step needs to be. Yeah. But it's it's the hardest step, but it's it's the most important one, and that was the case for me for sure. Yeah, right. I think I would I think I would agree with that one. Well, yeah, or or things that people did, like let's say friends, family. Yeah. When you're going through this, that things that friends or family did that you're like, guys, you're just not helping right now. I feel like I've gone through periods, and I, I mean, I still do, where like it's just it is just kind of like a roller coaster, and you know, my close friends know that. I, I'm not like a, a needy friend. Like, you know, I can talk to you once a month and you're still my best friend, but knowing that I kind of go through those things and, um, like a low maintenance friend and I've made and lost friends just kind of like along that journey, which is fine. But I think that that's kind of been like some friends have like wanted to reach out more and do more things. And I'm like, nah, like I need space, but not in like, I don't like you way, but in, I can't like process what's going on. Kind of just listening to your needs and sometimes you need a little more and sometimes you need a little less. And for them, see the thing with me when, you know, I was going through the initial grief stages is when you kind of just wanted to, let's say, be on your own and then somebody didn't really, like 
no, I think you really you should hang out, out today. And, and I'm yeah. like, yeah. no, don't tell me what I need yeah. to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, I'll just say like, I don't know if I really had anybody like try and sh- shove this opinion down my throat, but I think the general um, assumption by some people that going to therapy and admitting that, you know, you're not, you're not all there and everything's not all perfect is like a failure, um, is, you know, taking that step and going to therapy or starting to talk about it, you know, means your life is in shambles and you've failed and this is embarrassing um, because it's, it's, it really is just quite the opposite of that. Um, it's, it's, it's a massive step of bravery and um, you are bettering yourself, which therefore is going to better the people around you that you care for. So it's just, I would love to get, you know, that general opinion on it just yeah. out and in the trash because right. it's just it's, it's so true what's interesting though is about let's say grieving if you lose a loved one a lot of people who give you advice they've maybe also been through that yeah like with what you went through it's one of those things where very few people if any can relate to it yeah and so when somebody's like listen to you know, you should do that. You're like, you don't understand what I'm going through. Yeah. You don't get it. Like you haven't been in this situation where yeah. sometimes it's hard to get people to even relate to you because they haven't yeah. been through what you've been through. Yeah. But let's say in grief, usually you can get some decent advice because a lot of people have been there. Yeah. Um, if you could go back, let's say to your 20 year old self and your 20 year old self knowing what you know now what would be like a piece of advice that you would give yourself knowing like hey you're gonna go through this hard time yeah here's what you need to know for me don't don't care so much about other people's opinions about myself like there's there's gonna be the and this is what's so dangerous is there's the highest of highs you are gonna experience the highest of highs where you are on top of the world and it feels like everybody loves you but then you're also gonna you know you're gonna have a flop or something's gonna happen and you're gonna feel like you're at the lowest of lows and like the world hates you um and it's just you're looking you're looking at that at both of them through a magnifying glass and um, as difficult as it is, just put your worth and value in things that you actually care about, not that. Um, so if I could just tell myself to just care less, remember who you are, remember, you know, what you want to be known for. Um, I think that would have been a big help. That's great. That's really great. I think mine would be like, it's okay to not okay um again it's very a very cliche thing but i think that but also like it's okay to not be okay but don't live in that take that and start to address what you're going through like it's okay to go through something and let's make sure we're taking the steps you know to better better yourself and get through it to even have the you know hindsight to look back and give your younger selves such important advice is so important because now there are people who can listen to this who are going to hear that and be like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do this now and implement yeah. this now because yeah. Yeah. it's so 
so important. And I'm just so grateful to you guys, A, for being here, but B, just for being so kind to me over the last couple years. And, you know, I love that we're now reciprocating podcasts. Yeah, no. um, and I know we're going to finish this food. Yeah. There's no I, way I'm, I'm, we're leaving all this food here. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm waiting until this mic shuts off to freaking open that Okay, so we will start, we'll start devouring once, uh, once we say cut. Chomping in this mic. But... Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank it means you. so much. Thank you for so having awesome. these conversations. This is really They're great. They're important to have. So yeah. thanks for having them with me. Thanks so much for listening. In the studio today, Girl Taylor had a delicious hot chocolate with oat milk along with a Chick-fil-A chicken burger, waffle fries, and all the sauces. Definitely comforting. Boy Taylor had a classic bowl of chili. Here's a very simple recipe in case you're craving chili at home. Heat some olive oil in a big soup pot and add some chopped onion. And once that's hot, saute your onion for about five minutes and add some ground beef. Break up your beef in the pot and cook for six to seven minutes or until it's cooked fully through. Add some spices and stir until combined. I like chili powder, cumin, a bit of sugar, tomato paste, garlic powder, salt, pepper, and some cayenne. Then you can add some diced tomatoes, kidney beans, beef broth, and tomato sauce and stir it up. Let that simmer for at least 20 to 25 minutes, but the longer you let it sit, the better it's going to be. Buon appetito, and thanks for tuning in. Comfort Food is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for Acast. Our executive producers are Fanny Baudry, Cassie Berman, Leah Sutherland, and yours truly, Kelly Rizzo. Our audio producer is Chiara Noni. Special thanks to Camila Goldenberg and Riley Oville rank for production assistance. Our audio engineer is Matthew Blocka. Our editor is Nick Carismi. This podcast is hosted by me, Kelly Rizzo. If you like the show, please rate us five stars and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.